Hey, it's July 19th, uh, 2013, and we're ready for the next edition of the Soybean Aphid Podcast. We're broadcasting from the sweat lodge in the roof of the insectary. I'm here with Aaron Hodgson, and uh, what we're at about 99.9 degrees in this room. We're going to do another podcast today, talk about the insect pests of soybeans. We're going to talk about soybean aphids, talk about spider mites, might even talk about rootworms. I'll talk a little bit about my day with the Wiffles people. And uh, if we have time at the end, a uh, a blog, uh, an article that was written about some of our research with regard to honeybees. So Aaron's going to kick it off with soybean aphids. Yay. Yay. Okay. So I would say uh, that most of the fields in Iowa are now in beginning bloom or full bloom. So that's important to know to for treatment recommendations for certain pests like Japanese beetle and other defoliators. Uh, but it doesn't really matter when it comes to soybean aphid because their treatment threshold of 250 remains the same all the way through seed set. And that's a recommendation just based on what we know about the economics of soybean, what we know about the biology of soybean aphid. And so even though you may be hearing about some different marketing efforts, um, we don't recommend uh, spraying at a, a lower threshold. Can I jump in? So part of the reason why we don't think that is uh, even at 250 aphids, you don't have enough to reduce yield. You need more than that to reduce yield. And if you sprayed at uh, um, 10, 50 aphids per plant, uh, you got a long way to go uh, still in the growing season, especially this year when we have so much late planted beans uh, and corn that um, you may not be timing it to get the most out of your money for that insecticide. So Hold off if you haven't gotten to 250 yet, despite the, where are we at, 7 down, or, or not 7, that's corn, uh, what, 13 $14 beans. Um, and let's use, encourage you to use that threshold uh, to get the most out of your money. We still got a lot of growing season left. Yeah, and I'd also just like to back that up with some observations that our lab is seeing. We had a lab meeting this morning, and we have research set up at, I think, five or six of the Iowa State research farms kind of spread out throughout Iowa, and aphids are not hard to find. And some of our trials have reached 50% infestation, although the number of aphids per plant is very low. And generally, generally we only see aphids on the naked seed treatments, or the, the naked Naked seed treatments. I'm not sure if that Naked came up. Naked seed, no seed treatment. <laughs> no, right, and they don't bro. have they don't have the seed treatments treatments. And then um, also we don't really see aphids on the the varieties that have host plant resistance. And so um, just something to keep our mind uh, out or our eyes open for is that the aphids are around, but the numbers are very very low in commercial fields. Ooh. It's not getting any cooler in here. All right, so that's aphids. Aphids are off the board. Hot weather, dry weather. We're getting into dry weather. We haven't had a lot of rain in central Iowa for a while. So uh, we talked about this last time. Maybe we were out of the uh, – maybe we're not – maybe it's not like last year because we had spider mites. But the conditions are starting to go up for spider mites. Aaron's raising her hand. <laughs> There's two of us and you're raising your hand. Okay. Well, I only wanted to point out that – some of the field agronomists through Iowa State are letting me know that they're finding spider mites in fields, and it's typically been in soybean fields where they didn't get really good weed control uh, around the borders or even within the field. And so that is definitely a host for spider mites, something that they like to overwinter on. Uh, but if you're burning down weeds or cutting weeds early, that will force mites to move. So just 
be aware if you're in a particularly weedy area that um, and it's hot and dry, you could have more mite activity than you probably realize. So it's it's a good time to get out there and just see what's happening now that we've entered the reproductive stages. Yeah, this has not been a normal year. This is crazy. So when you say early, it's all sort of relative. Uh, so spider mites, weather conditions are favorable for them, and it sounds like with the spraying kind of later spraying on the weeds, it's favorable for them to move from the weeds to the soybeans. I think I just repeated what you said. It's so hot. Uh, what else are we going to talk about? Uh, Japanese beetles continue their long march into the summer. Their numbers are up, and we found them in the northwest corner, so pretty much you know throughout the state, although there are parts. I'm sorry. We found them in the northeast corner. I was talking to farmers from northwest, and they're just now starting to see them. They haven't really penetrated fully that part of the state. But anyway, something to keep aware of because um, – that other crop, corn, is way behind, and now it's facing tasseling and silking sort of in the peak period when Japanese beetles are around. So silking is an issue. And I was out talking with uh, representatives from Wiffle, Wiffle Seed, and they were asking about issues with corn rootworm. And I was like, yeah, we're getting to a point where now we're thinking about adult management, and if you got a field with a lot of rootworms – Protecting the silks is going to be an issue, and it's not just rootworms that feed on corn. It's also Japanese beetles, so a couple of things to think about. Thank you very much, Aaron, for the handouts that you provided at me um, for our uh, for that uh, meeting on rootworms. Your handouts for uh, summarizing the BT resistance were very well received. Are those available online? Uh, yeah, Aaron Gasman, who is our corn entomologist, and I put together just a, what we know of corn rootworm management in the Corn Belt, but more specifically Iowa. And uh, you'd be able to find uh, that publication online as a PDF free. And we can put that link in, in the summary, in the summary okay. um, f- for this podcast. It's also available on my faculty webpage, uh, the Iowa State uh, Entomology. And um, it's just a nice review of, of what we expect for long-term management issues. Yeah. And speaking of other things to find online, to kind of wrap up today, um, back in the late spring, I got interviewed by a guy, uh, Wal- John Walter, out of, um, out of uh, Connecticut. And he writes a blog, agriculture.com. And uh, he just published this on the 12th of July, Bees and Beans, question and answer with Matt O'Neill. And in this, he was asking me about kind of what's going on with honeybees and just other bees because um, it had been in the news when we did the interview. And uh, to his credit, I talked on and on for about 45 minutes. What? <laughs> Newsflash, O'Neill can talk. I talked for about 45 minutes and he uh, did a great job summarizing that and um it's available online i'll put the link uh to the um the interview um i don't mean to take all the credit Uh, he was talking to me but i was trying to summarize the work done throughout the university both the research and extension on honeybees and um yeah it was uh it was a good conversation yeah it is certainly a hot topic not only like you said honeybees but pollinator awareness education and conservation so i think we'll definitely have more more updates throughout the summer as we do more podcasts on all that good stuff that you and other people at Iowa State are doing for especially, pollinators. Yeah, especially people like Amy Amy Toth and uh, her lab, uh, which they focus primarily on 
honeybees and other social pollinators. So anyway, um, that summary is there. There's some information in that article about the role that honeybees play or we think may play in increasing soybean yield. Um, I'll let you read the article because it's a little bit detailed. Uh, probably this isn't the place to go into that detail. Anyway, um, that's about it. See you next week. Have a good week. Well, gosh, it's-